before I jump in, um, thank you, Pastor Hyden. I just want to say to you, uh, I am blessed to be here. I have heard a lot about this church. I've followed you on Instagram and your Instagram stories. Uh, my communications team uh, is jealous of your communications team because you make it look great. But let me just tell you, I think it's better in person. It's better in person to feel what you guys have and what you're all about. Uh, Pastor Hyden, uh, I will give him the $20. I promised I'd give him to say nice things about me before I came up here. But how many of you know you have a gifted pastor? He's a gifted pastor. He's a gifted communicator. He's a gifted leader. He finds a way to look around this room and to see uh, young people that have been attracted to this ministry and uh, those who are more mature attracted to this ministry. Obviously, we know that's the Holy Spirit of God, but there is a gifting and an anointing that God has placed on Pastor Hyden's life. And I hope here at Walk Church, you don't take that for granted. Because it's rare. Not every pastor has the amount of gifting and anointing and humility and humility that he has. And so uh, to be his friend, his brother, a fellow uh, church planter, uh, it's a privilege to be here tonight. And so I get to spend tonight with you. I get to spend tomorrow morning with you and then even a workshop. And so uh, this is either going to be really good or not so good. Here's the direction I'm going. I just want to take you into kind of the outline over the next three segments that I have with you. Uh, number one, the first uh, session tonight, we're actually going to be talking about going deeper through pain and suffering. Going deeper through pain and suffering. And so I am confident that the Holy Spirit of God is going to meet you in your pain and suffering and take you deeper into your relationship with him. Tomorrow morning, we'll uh, flip the page a little bit more positive. We will talk about affections, going deeper in our relationship with the Lord through affections. And then we're going to get real practical uh, with the fellas. I'm going to lead a workshop around uh, some spiritual disciplines, some habits that will help us go deeper. And uh, for the ladies, you have an awesome workshop that's planned for you. Um, but uh, I did hear that there will be the recording of uh, what I'm talking about as it relates to discipline. So, so no one's going to miss that. But tonight we're going to talk about suffering. And I just want to jump in. I like to start with the tension question a question that I believe the scriptures answer, a question that I believe that you all are interested in the answer to, and here's the tension question tonight. Simply this, how does God use unexplainable pain and suffering to deepen our relationship with him? How does, how can God use unexplainable pain and suffering? Now, I wanna stop here for a moment real quick and say there's a difference between unexplainable suffering and explainable suffering, someone say amen. amen, right? If you spend too much money and your credit card bill is high, that doesn't mean that you have unexplainable suffering. I can explain your suffering. You spend too much money. Ed, how do you know? Because that's my explainable suffering in my life, okay? If you hit someone in the face and someone hits you back and you are suffering, that's not unexplainable. That's what happens when you hit someone in the face. You're probably going to get hit back. So tonight, I'm not talking about the mess that you're in because you've made mistakes. 
that has explanation. God works in all of that. I'm talking about unexplainable, unexplainable sickness, unexplainable death in the family, unexplainable tragedies that we go through. How does God use unexplainable pain and suffering to deepen our relationship with him? And I have three burdens. Why does this matter? Why do I hope you lean in and you're engaged? Number one, unexplainable pain is an inescapable reality. Peter wrote it this way, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that are going to come your way. Don't be surprised. Why? Because it is coming for you. It's a reality of life. And before we go too much further into the message, I just want to um, invite you into my life for a moment. Just so you know, this message isn't coming from a place of, well, this is what I learned about pain. And this is what the Bible says, so let me help you with it. I've been through some pain specifically over the last 18 months. Over the last 18 months, I've been through some pain like I know you have been. Now, the first one, before, before I'm going to put a picture up. And I'm just telling you right now, if, 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 uh, it, it might make some of you uneasy. I went out to, to Portland, Oregon, and I was there for a pastor's deal, and I got a bacteria in my eye. Don't put up the picture just yet. Hold on. A bacteria in my eye. I thought it was my contact. It happened by, by 5 p.m. I was feeling it. By midnight, I was in the ER. And, and two days later, while I'm still in Portland, Oregon, okay, are you guys ready? If, if, you, if you might not like it, you might want to turn your head. But this is what happened to my eye, just 48 hours. This bacteria ate up my eye. And currently, right now, out of my right eye, I cannot see. It is like a, a cloudy shower door. And so my left eye is the real MVP. Come on, somebody. My left eye is putting in the real work. But this happened right before our five-year anniversary of our church. I was excited to preach that anniversary, to ordain a new pastor. And, and God allows this pseudomonas bacteria to eat up my right eye. That was in September of 2018, five-year anniversary. By the way, our church anniversary is the very same Sunday as your church anniversary. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're birthday buddies in that way. That was September. Then, then you've got to know about me, my wife. We've been married for 15 years and been struggling with infertility for 15 years, unable to have children of our own. Come on, I want to be a dad. I want to raise a little Edward who's going to hoop who I could just be in the stands going crazy, like I want to be a dad. And for 15 years, we've been unable to have children. And at the top of this year, as we're getting older, we said, okay, we're going to break out the calendar. We're going to really look at, at how it all works, and we're just going to make this thing happen, if you know what I'm saying. We're going to put everything we have into this. And then in March, we find out that my wife has cancer in her uterus. Lord, really? Like I work for you, like a professional guy. You're gonna allow this to happen to my eye? You're gonna allow this to happen to my wife in the very place where a woman would conceive a child? Come on, Lord. Now by the grace of God, uh, you know, we would be given a sabbatical over the summer and praise God because we needed the rest. 
But we would come back from that sabbatical, three months, and we would come back to just drama from this past fall. Dramatic situation after dramatic situation, but the most dramatic situation was finding out that someone in our church who had been a pastor at one point, who was a leader in our student ministry, was arrested. He was arrested, and what was he arrested for? He was arrested for reaching out on social media to minors and communicating with them uh, with messages of a sexual nature. At first we thought it was just one, come to find out, this brother in our church who's married, who has a wife with two kids under the age of five, and who has one on the way, 25 to 30 minors that he reached out to. Then we find out one of those minors is in our student ministry. Now, by the grace of God, as far as we know, he didn't put physical hands on any of these minors, but the fact that we, we have to, to, to work with him through, through him being in jail and to him working out his repentance with fear and trembling, to ministering to the pain of the wife who had no idea this was going on, who has no idea when her husband is coming home, to minister to the victims in our own church. Life has been painful. But I know I'm not the only one in this room who's been experiencing unexplainable pain. I know you. You're here in Vegas. Vegas is not much different from Oakland. It is filled with people who have found themselves in pain. And so some of you, like myself and my wife, you've got a doctor's report recently and things aren't as good as you hoped they would be, maybe in your life or in the life of someone you love. Maybe there's unexplainable pain and suffering as it relates to a depression or a heaviness or an anxiety. Maybe there's a traumatic situation from your childhood that you just can't seem to, to break free from. And it's hard to lean in to a relationship with God when seemingly he allowed it to happen. And so what do you do? How can God use the unexplainable pain and suffering that we go through and our family members go through to deepen our relationship with him? So why should you pay attention? One, because it's inescapable. Number two, I say it this way on the next slide, misinterpreted pain leads to a misunderstood God. See Job's friends. Job thought, Job's friends thought they knew why Job was in suffering. They thought because he was in sin or he wasn't honoring God with his life. They had no idea of the cosmic conversation that Job had, I mean, that God had with Satan. That God actually permitted this to bring glory to himself. And so when we misunderstand our unexplainable pain and suffering, why do we got to understand what God has to say about it? Because if we don't understand what God is doing, we will misunderstand him and his purposes for our life. How many of you know people who have walked away from God because of the unexplainable pain and suffering that they've gone through, right? Maybe even some of you in this room, you've been at an arm's distance or you've left the church at some point because of a difficulty that you went through. Here's the last reason why this matters and then we'll get into the text. Many Christians are too quick 
to attempt to pray away pain and suffering. How do I know this? Well, just just look at your prayer journal. (laughs) Look at your prayers during this fast that you guys have been on. I'm pretty sure many of you have been crying out to God to take away pain and suffering. There's nothing wrong with crying out to God to take away pain and suffering. But what if the pain and suffering that God is allowing to happen into your life is the very tool that he wants to use to take you deeper? Then you'd be praying away the very tool that God wants to use to take you deeper. So we've got to wrap our head. The stakes are high. If we don't understand the implications of pain and our responses to it, we could find ourselves further away from God after a painful situation as opposed to closer. Now, so here's my outline. Where are we going for today? Let's go. Number one, three helpful explanations. We're going to jump into a text, and I'm going to give you three helpful explanations of why God allows pain. The Apostle Paul actually makes it fairly clear for us. So we're going to go deep, but this is, this is Walk Church Deep in Conference 2020, and three helpful explanations. I just thought, that's not enough. I think they're going to want more. So is it okay if we go deeper? Yeah. Is that okay? We're going to go deeper. So after I explain your pain, I hope that's going to be helpful. I want to point you to one sympathetic comforter. Now, I know, oh, that's Jesus. He's going to talk about Jesus there. Okay, okay, okay. You know it's Jesus. Just hold on. Just hold on. Humble yourself. Someone say amen. And then I'm just going to take you to the, to the deepest part as it relates to pain. And I'm going to leave you tonight with one uncomfortable question. And so this is my outline. If you're ready, if you're how many of you are ready? You ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. Come on, give me a little bit more. If you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. If you're ready, say let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. We're going to read through the text. I'm going to pull out three helpful explanations, and then we're going to go deeper. So now, let me give you some context. The Apostle Paul, we know he's a church-planting champion, planting churches all around the Mediterranean Rim. I know you here at Walk Church, you're going to plant churches all around Las Vegas and beyond. And like the Apostle Paul, who's a gifted man, you've got a gifted leader in your own right. And the Apostle Paul was gifted. He was sharp. God was giving him revelations. He was giving him visions. And so in the midst of Paul talking about his giftedness, in chapter 12, he says these words. I'm going to run through it. Uh, Actually, I'm not going to run through it. I'm going to talk a little bit, and then I'll run through the rest. But So to keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. I just want to stop right here real quick commentators, because what does that mean? Like a physical, like he had a rose bush stuck in him? What was going on? No. Commentators say there are three possibilities, maybe four, but one of the possibilities, because it says a messenger of Satan, it might have been like a, a mental anguish that he couldn't get away from. That's what this thorn in the flesh could have been, a mental anguish. The second type of thing it could have been was literally just haters, They would call him the super apostles that hated on Paul's ministry because he was saved after being a murderer of Christians. How many of you have ever had some haters in your life? Come on, somebody. 
How many of you have ever had some anxiety in your life? Come on, somebody. And so it may be these things, but most commentators agree it probably was a physical ailment because he calls it a thorn in his flesh. And so we don't know, but praise God that that we can relate with all these types of things as it relates to suffering. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. He goes on to say, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. Okay, so you praying about it during your fast. You're just like Paul. Congratulations. Three times I said, take it away, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. And then he concludes, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay. Now, how many of you love that passage? You're familiar with that passage, right? We love this passage. And so out of it, I just want to pull three helpful explanations for this unexplainable pain and suffering that we face in our lives. Um, The first one. So to keep me from being conceited. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, the thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from being conceited. Now, I'm no Bible scholar. I, I, I don't have all the degrees. I'm, I'm a simple man. And when I see things repeated in the scripture, I pay attention. And so when Paul says twice, to keep me from being conceited, God gave me these thorns. God gave me this thorn. I think pain has something to do with keeping us from being conceited. If you think about the, the, the I situation that the Lord allowed to happen in my life, let me just tell you, when I arrived back in Oakland, the doctor said, our first job is to save your eyeball. I was like, what? She said, there is a chance that this bacteria could eat all the way through your cornea and into your eyeball. For the first couple days and weeks following that diagnosis, I could not even put my left eye on a screen for any length of time because it was so strained trying to do double the work. And in that moment, I thought to myself, I might not be able to ever preach again. If I can't study, I can't preach. If I can't read, if I can't Google, come on somebody, if I can't Google, I will not be able to preach the word of God. I need my blue letter Bible. I need my Bible gateway. Come on. And so can you see how in that moment God could use this pain to keep me from being conceited, to keep me from from thinking that my gift is my own, but instead it is him and at any point he can give it or he could take it away. Could you see how the pain of having to minister to a wife whose husband has been taken off to jail could, could, could keep me from being conceited? Because in sitting down with her, can I just tell you, I don't know how to minister to a wife and to a mom whose husband has been arrested for what he's been arrested for. I don't know what to say. But because of that pain, it keeps me from being conceited as a shepherd because I need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to lead me to what to say. 
So what's the first helpful explanation for why we need to, to allow the Lord and to understand what God is doing in our life through pain? I say it this way, pain prevents your pride. Pain prevents your pride. And so maybe you have a painful situation in your life. Maybe the question you need to start asking, instead of praying the prayer of God take it away, you've got to start asking yourself the question, how is this keeping me humble? How is this pain God's tool to humble me? And then maybe, because some of you would say, oh, man, I don't want to be prideful. Some of you have even asked, Lord, make me more humble. And in answering that prayer, he's brought you pain. You prayed for it. Come on. You asked for it to keep me from being conceited. Now, man, that's good all by itself. But there's some more. There's some more. How many of you want to go deeper? You want to go deeper? Let's see what else. What's the second explanation? Let's take a look at it. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Let's just put up the second point right now. The second thing, explanation for pain, is pain perfects God's power. See, by taking out my right eye... And, and God giving me the strength to minister and lead the church in spite of my suffering, God's power is put on display. People know that can't be Ed. Ed's a wit. Can, can I just tell you, I cannot take any sort of pain. The minute I get a, uh, what is it called on the wood? Uh, a splinter. See, I can't even say the word. The minute I get a splinter, I need to call my mama and say, Mama, come help your son. I am no good with pain, but God's power has rested on me to help me lead the church and to not whine and to not complain, but to do the thing he's called me to do. But that wouldn't have been possible if God's power wasn't made perfect through my weakness. Maybe God would allow us to struggle with infertility because he wants to bring us to our knees. And maybe, just maybe, one, he wants to show his power in a miracle childbirth. Or maybe he wants to show his power to allowing a couple who wants to be, have children to be content without them, to be content with adopting, to be content with fostering. See, God's power isn't just in answering the prayer the way you want it. God's power is also in giving you the ability to be joyful in answering it the way he wanted to answer it. God's power is made perfect in weakness. And so I've been able to see the power of God bring our church together even though we are walking through this painful situation with this couple who's, who's been a part of our church family for six years. From the day we started, God's power is being made perfect in weakness. Man, pain prevents your pride? Pain perfects God's power? Man, God is up to something more than maybe we know. Now, this last one. I don't know if you want this last one. You want this last explanation? Uh, okay, we're going to go deeper. This last explanation. Paul's many. Paul's crazy. Paul's crazy. Look at him. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Now, here's the deal. Usually, I'm all about the ESV, the elect standard version, right? Yeah, all the elect read the ESV. But unfortunately, unfortunately, this word content here, it's, it's not translated best in the ESV. I did some blue letter Bible. Oh, come on, I'm not a Bible scholar. I just go to these websites and click on stuff. Come on, somebody. And what I found is this word content in the Greek, it actually is better interpreted pleased with. Because content is like, okay, I'll, I'll roll with it. I'll deal with it. But what Paul is really saying is, is he's pleased. He's ple- he takes pleasure in. And then, and then I clicked on that word pleased. And you know you could then click on some other stuff like where does this word appear in the rest of the Bible? I'm just letting you in on my secrets. Just click, 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 click. And it took me to this passage when God looks down on Jesus and, and Jesus is being baptized, and what happens after Jesus is baptized? God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. What? You mean the type of pleasure that God has for his son when he was baptized in obedience is the same type of pleasure that's possible when we look at pain from God's perspective? What? We could be pleased, I could be pleased with my eye in the same way that God was pleased with Jesus at his baptism? That's crazy. And let me just tell you what I found. As the months went by of this eye situation, I found myself supernaturally rejoicing and thanking God that he would give me the opportunity to carry a burden that could glorify him. And I found myself being pleased that he wounded me. Being pleased because God, you wouldn't have deepened my relationship with you. You wouldn't have shown me how glorious and faithful you are in those darkest moments if you didn't allow this to happen. So the last way I say it is this third explanation. Pain produces supernatural pleasure. I mean, pleasure because your your favorite team wins, that's not supernatural pleasure. Carnal people celebrate when their, their team wins. Carnal people have the pleasures of of the things of this world and the food and all of the things. Supernatural pleasure says, I delight in my weaknesses. That's otherworldly. See, the world doesn't just need a God who can heal. The world also needs to see a God who sustains you and empowers you and gives you joy even when he chooses not to. That's a powerful witness. That's why the prosperity gospel is so detrimental to the church. We're supposed to be well and healed and whole and blah. No, we're not. That's not until the other side. Sometimes he glorifies himself through the healing. Other times he glorifies himself through the pain. Pain prevents your pride. Pain perfects God's power. Pain produces supernatural pleasure. Does that help anybody tonight? Does that help anybody tonight? Are we thankful for the word of God that comes to our assistance to give us insight into what he's doing? Now, uh, on the next slide here, I said, but that's, that's deep. I think there's some deep stuff there, really. I mean, 
There's some things there. You need to look at those three things and maybe star the one that you need to lean into in the midst of your present pain, which is the one that I need to just allow to be true in my life because I don't think I've seen it that way. But I want to take you deeper. I want to show you now one sympathetic comforter. Now, obviously, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. So Jesus is the comforter. Be comforted. Let's pray. No, I mean, it's, it's actually better than that. I want to take you to the book of Hebrews real quick, and, and I want to tease this out. Man, this is some, let me just tell you, my, my own home church, I haven't even preached this stuff there yet, okay? This is some fresh stuff that God has put on my heart for Walk Church, okay, Pastor Hyden? This is, this is some manna for me. It has been, it has been uh, ministering to me. I grew up in the church, and so I, I've just known this Jesus whole thing like just for so long, and it got stale at certain points, but, but man, right now it is so alive because what God has revealed about Jesus as a sympathetic comforter, and we read about this, I believe, in the book of Hebrews, for we do not have a high priest who is unable, everyone say unable, unable. say he's able, he's able, he's able. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Okay, so, so we have this God who loves us. We, we know that. But the idea of Jesus sympathizing with us, that's deep. That's deep, and it could be a wonderful resource to someone going through unexplainable pain and suffering. And so what I want to do is I want to take you to those moments right before Jesus goes to the cross. And I want to walk you through the pain that Jesus went through in the hours leading up to his crucifixion on the cross. And I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would see Jesus and his sympathy Real deal sympathy for your real deal pain more clearly. Let's take a look at these moments. Jesus, just moments before the cross, is scandalously betrayed by one of his 12 disciples. By one of the guys who was rocking with him three and a half years, literally betrays him for some silver. I know a room of this size, some of you have been betrayed. You've been betrayed by people who committed their lives to you. You've been betrayed maybe by a prior spouse. You've been betrayed. Let me just tell you, Jesus understands and sympathizes with your betrayal. On Palm Sunday, they're screaming out, glory, glory, Hosanna to God in the highest. And a week later, they're saying what? Crucify him, crucify him. The same place, the people that were bowing to him were wanting him to be crucified on the cross, scandalously betrayed. Jesus sympathizes with your betrayal. And can I remind you, friends, this isn't a fairy tale. Jesus really was betrayed by the people who loved him and allowed praise to come from their lips for him. Let me tell you, some of the you got to be concerned about the people who praise you the most. The people who praise you the most have the ability to wound you the deepest. That's just a little sidebar. And look what they did to Jesus. Not only that, but then he was unjustly accused. 
He had to go through all the, the, the court system of that day to figure out, you know, under which rule was this decision going to be made. And at the end of the day, he was unjustly accused. Why? Because he was the Christ. He had never sinned. He had never made a mistake. And here he was being sentenced to crucifixion. Now, I know there are some of you in this room, you've, um, you have experienced unexplainable pain and suffering because you've been unjustly accused of something. Someone lied on you. But let me just tell you, Jesus sympathizes. He knows what it's like to be unjustly accused. He doesn't just love you in your pain. He relates to you. He sympathizes with you. He was verbally abused. Save yourself. Save yourself. If you're the king, take yourself off of that cross. Spit on. Verbally abused. I know in a room of this size, some of you have had people speak words over your life that have hurt you and haunted you for years. They have said things that can't be taken back. They have said things that you've actually just sat under that lie because it was your dad, it was your mom, it was a close friend, it was a teacher, it may even been a pastor, not Pastor Hiding, come on somebody, but, but, but another one. And let me just tell you, God, through the person of Jesus Christ, identifies with the verbal abuse you have taken in your life. Physically assaulted, whipped, whipped continually, a crown of thorns pressed on to his head. I know some of you, you have had hands placed on you in improper ways. And there's a, there's a flinch factor. There's a looking over your head factor. And let me just tell you, Jesus sympathizes. He knows what it's like to take a physical beating that he didn't ask for. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, yes, he's God. Yes, he's creator, but he's also sympathizer and one who has walked through what you've gone through and been tempted in every way. Sexually humiliated, Ed, what's that all about? Man, we see the pictures. But let me just tell you, I don't know if whatever Jesus had around his loins was as tight as the pictures say. Something tells me, and I'm not trying to be crude, but we need to enter into the reality of the passion of Christ. On that cross, it is very likely that his private area was exposed. Ed, why are you putting those images in my head? I'm not trying to put any images in your head. I'm trying to bring you into the reality of a Christ who was sexually humiliated. They weren't making sure that he was covered up and he was proper. They hung him on a cross. And are you going to tell me? Las Vegas, Oakland, there aren't some people who have had to go through horrible sexual humiliation in their lifetime. I didn't ask for this. How was I supposed to stop it? I was only this old. 
and it has scarred me. What am I supposed to do? This came from a trusted person. And sometimes Jesus loves you. That's great. Jesus cares for you. That's great. But sometimes what could be so much better is Jesus knows what you went through. He knows what it feels like to be sexually humiliated. He knows. This is our great comforter. Spiritually forsaken. This probably is the worst of it all. On the cross, he yells out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Here's Jesus, who's had a perfect, unbroken relationship with Almighty God from eternity past. That, that's like a long time, I'm just telling you. Like all of the past of eternity, unbroken relationship with Almighty God. And because on that cross, he was bearing your sins and mine, past, present, and future, Heavenly Father God had to, don't ask Pastor Hyden to explain this, he'll explain it, God turned his back on his son. And so that for a moment, Jesus had a broken relationship with his father. He was forsaken once so we could be brought into perfect intimacy with Almighty God forever. He was forsaken once, so we would never have to be forsaken by Almighty God. And so if you're in this room today, and if you've ever felt like God has left you, that God was distant, that God wasn't paying you no mind, yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus cares for you, but it's better than that. Jesus knows what that feels like. Jesus knows what that feels like. I say it this way to sum this up. Jesus doesn't only love and care for you in the midst of your unexplainable pain and suffering. He relates to you. He relates to you. It's one thing to have three heavenly explanations, godly explanations for pain. It's another thing to know that we have one real deal comforter, sympathizer, who walked through what the type of pain we have gone through and probably for most of us, a lot worse. I don't know all of your stories, but for most of us, what he went through just in those hours leading up to him being crucified and while he was crucified, that is worse than anything we will ever face. Jesus knows. And so let me just say this, friends who are hurting right now, friends who've never been able to understand why God allowed this and why God allowed this, and let me just tell you, probably in the room of this size, maybe some of you were the abuser. Some of you were the assaulter. And you live with the pain and regret of having been the one who committed the crime, committed the sin. And let me just tell you, Jesus forgives you of that. That is a sin, that is a shame that you don't need to live with. His peace and his comfort is available for you as well, just as it was available to the dude that was being hung right by his side. A thief on the cross. It's just not the sins that others have been committed, uh, committed against you 
that, that Jesus sympathizes with you with, Jesus also knows. He, he healed a guy. He said it was okay for a guy to join in him, in him in paradise who was a thief. Now, let me tell you, right? This would probably be the place where that piano back there would sound real good. Jesus, he's your comforter. Um, and, and I don't want to make light because that's a, how many of you are encouraged by that point? Jesus knows. Jesus relates. You guys still there? You guys, if you're okay, say I'm okay. Okay. Okay, I know. It's, uh, well, it's the deep in conference. Pastor Hyden, is this okay? Uh, you all right? Okay. Um, so we could do the blah, 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 blah. Jesus, you're so good. Um, but man, we got to go to the, to the deepest part of this. One uncomfortable question. Oh, come on, Ed. Because I, I feel it in the room. Like, Ed, like you could just stop, bro. <laughs> like, I think I got enough to think about. <laughs> but I'm sorry. I, I got uh, a few more minutes and about three more slides. So I work hard on these slides. Come on, somebody. Okay. Um, okay. So here's the deal. Um, it's one thing to be able to explain our pain, like explain what God is doing. It's, it's another thing to, to, to know that we have a comforter in Jesus, like a supernatural, real deal. He walked through it, comforter. I hope that serves you well in the days and weeks to come. But it's another thing to understand kind of like the cosmic purpose of what's going on. It's not just what God is doing in your life in the here and now. It's, it's the eternal purpose of pain. And what might that be? Well, the Apostle Paul, because he went through so much pain, went through so much hardship, he would be a good person to tell us about the cosmic purpose of pain. One of them, there's several, but I'm going to leave you with one and then ask you an uncomfortable question and then we're going to respond. Uh, let's take a look at what he says to the church at Philippi. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of, let's say that word together, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Knowing. Everyone say knowing. knowing. Here's Paul, real deal, Superman church planner, and one of the primary ambitions, motivations of his life was to know Jesus Christ. Well, how do you go about doing that? And I don't think you want to know the answer to this question, but I'm about to tell you anyways because Paul lets us know. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Mm. Okay, so like I read a text like that and I'm like, what does that mean, though? Like, I don't think I understand that. So I go, uh, commentary, Philippians 3.10. Come on, somebody. I just, bang, bang. And it, and it comes up, and I read them. I'm just checking it out. And then there's this one guy named Barnes. And Barnes, his, his commentaries are solid. And so he's a lot smarter than me. 
And so I'm going to introduce you to, to Barnes and what he has to say about Paul's words. And then I'm going to give you that uncomfortable question. Let's, let's look at what Barnes has to say. The idea is what Paul's talking about is that it is an honor to suffer as Christ suffered. And that the true Christian will esteem it a privilege to be made just like him, not only in glory, but in trial. Not only in glory, but in trial. And then he concludes by saying this. Are we seeking merely the honors of heaven? Or should we esteem it a privilege to be reproached and reviled as Christ was? Are we seeking merely the honors of heaven? Man, oh man. If I think, if I think you're anything like me, if I think you're anything like my church home, my church family, the sinners in my church, the sinners like me, we're in this Jesus thing for the honors of heaven primarily. We want the good news. We want to go to heaven. We want healing. We don't want to be reproached. We don't want to be reviled. We don't have to pray an unanswered prayer for 40 years to show God that he's worthy of us loving him and praying regardless of what he says. We want microwave, give it to me now. And let me just... Ed, Ed, how do we know, though, if that's me? Let me tell you how you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm out of time, but just can I get like five more? Are we okay? Let me just deep and see. Sorry. Um, let me tell you how you know if you're one of these like in it for the honor but not for the reproach. If you get mad when God doesn't answer your prayers, you're probably just in it for the honor. How angry are you when God doesn't respond to what you want in the way you want him to respond? The degree of your anger is probably the degree to which you are doing this thing for yourself and not for him. Someone say deep in. <laughs> All right. So, so here's the uncomfortable question, and I'm, I'm going to get out of here. I feel like y'all ain't going to come back tomorrow. But... Uh, here, let me give you the question. Christ relates with you. Do you want to relate with Christ? Christ relates with you. He sympathizes with you. The question is, do you want to relate to him? Is that something, Walk Church, that you are interested in? To relate to Christ. We're so thankful. Oh, my gosh, he relates to me. He sympathizes with me. Jesus is my buddy. Do you want to relate with him, though? Don't you hate those conversations when someone just makes it all about them? Doesn't it just irk you? And they can't even tell that the whole time they've been talking about themselves. How does that make you feel? You're like, are you even going to check on me just once, once? I know your so-and-so is this, and I know your so-and-so is this. Are you going to check in with me? Are you going to try to relate with me at all? And I wonder if as we walk this walk, if we are so concerned with God relating to us that we take very little interest in knowing him, relating to him. 
I know I said one uncomfortable question, but I'll say it another way. Christ knows you. Do you want to know Christ? Because ladies and gentlemen, as ready as you are, I know you are to say, yes, I want to know Christ. Well, if you want to know Christ, you're going to have to know his sufferings. You cannot know Christ apart from his suffering. That's, where's Brother George? You guys know Brother George. You know he's been through some tough things. But can you imagine trying to get to know George but trying to separate what he's been through, not asking or not wondering or not ever wanting to know or caring about what happened with him? How deep could your relationship really go with George? So what happens when we embrace our suffering, when we open up ourselves to it in all the ways? We get to know Christ in a way that health, healing, wealth, prosperity would never allow us to know him. Because Jesus' life wasn't all health, wealth, and prosperity. Jesus' life was thorns on the head, whips on the back, nails in the wrists. Do you want to know Christ? And let me just tell you, friends, as I've opened up myself to saying, okay, Lord, if you're going to wound me to bless me, I have had moments of thinking in some way, this is how Christ loved me. Just a glimpse. And so what if when you felt pain, when you experienced pain, instead of it being something that you prayed off, you used it as a moment to remind yourself how Christ loved you. He pained himself for you. Here's the big idea. I've said a lot of words tonight. Sermon in a sentence. No pain, no Christ. No pain, no Christ. If there wasn't pain, if there wasn't a crucifixion, if there wasn't a leaving the right hand of God to put on flesh, we would not be talking about Jesus Christ today. If there wasn't a crucifixion, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus Christ today. And so if you want to know him, you've got to know pain. So Ed, what do we do? Application. We do what Paul did, boast in weakness. We don't hide it. We don't pray it away. We don't pretend. We don't lessen it. Come on. I used to struggle with porn. Well, how many times in that? No, I just used to, you know. I used to. Me and my wife, it's not going that good. Knowing, knowing, come on. It's a lot worse than how you're putting off. Come on. Why don't we just say, man, it's bad, man. It's, it's, it's bad. It's real bad. I know some of the wives in the room, you see your husbands talking about your marriage sometimes, and you're like, what? <laughs> Come on, dude, you lying. It's not good right now, bro. So instead, we boast. We say it's hard. 
We say the pain is real. We say, like I told my church, I said, guys, I don't know if I can make it in ministry. I don't know if my wife and I could, could handle this. We boast. So here we go. We're going to close this up. Three types of responses. Number one, maybe there's someone here. You've never placed your faith in the sympathetic comforter, Jesus Christ. You never knew of a God who sent a Jesus to pay the price for your sin. Maybe it was because of pain. And so if you're in this room and you would say, I know I've got sin, but I want Jesus to be the one. I place my faith in Jesus who died, who rose again, who paid the price for my sin. If that's you, maybe you came, you were just invited. Maybe you've been sitting in walk church for several weeks, but you've never crossed the line of faith and said, it's me who needs to believe in Jesus. I just want to invite you to stand. Anyone would say, I want to be a Christian. I want to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and put my faith in him. Is there anyone? These lights are kind of on me. Is anyone standing up? Is there anyone? Be bold if that's you. If there's nobody, that's okay. If you don't want to stand now, maybe you want to talk to one of the leaders, talk to Pastor Hyden. The second type of person I want to talk to is the type of person who's here today. And when I was going through the pain part and how you've been in pain, you would say, today I am in pain. There is unexplainable pain and suffering in my life. And it has haunted me and it's hard. And I want prayer. I want to be prayed for without worrying who's to the right or to the left of you, because come on, we're not playing games. We're not gonna close our eyes. We're not gonna close our eyes. If you've just been in unexplainable pain and suffering, past, present, I want you to stand, because I wanna pray for you. I want us to pray for each other. If you're in unexplainable pain and suffering, stand all over this room if it's you. Just say, it's me. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, it's me. Unexplainable pain has haunted me. It's hurt me. Praise God. Thank you for your humility. Now, this is what I want to happen next. Because I know Walk Church is a family. I know Walk Church believes in the fact that every believer is equipped to do gospel ministry. And so what I want you to do now is I want you to surround the people who are standing up and pray for them right now. I don't have special words. You pray for them. You stand by someone who is standing and you pray for them. You say, Lord, heal them. Lord, protect them. Lift them up to Jesus tonight. Say, God, meet them. We praise you, Lord. Bring comfort, comfort in Jesus' name through the power of your Holy Spirit. Supernatural healing in Jesus' name. Supernatural endurance in Jesus' name. Come on, friends, pray. Pray like God was listening. Come on, friends. Pray like you believed he would answer tonight. 
praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. We lift these folks up to you. We thank you for their humility in this place. Thank you, Lord, that your ear is not deaf, your arm is not short. Do what only you could do, Lord, in hearts. Do what only you could do in this place. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Give the person you were praying for a hug. Give them a hug. Let them know you're there for them. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The church being the church. Last call, and then we're going to sing a song of worship unto God. If you're here tonight, and you would say, I want to know Christ. I don't just want to know what he's done for me and how he loves me and the miracles and the heaven that awaits. I want to know him and share in his suffering. If that's you, come to the altar. Come forward and you just say, it's me. I want to, I don't just want to know his glories. I don't want to just know his healings. I want to know him and his sufferings. Come forward just as a response that says, it's me. It's me. I don't want to hide from the hard stuff. I want to enter into all that God has. I'm going to stand here. I want to enter into all the suffering that God has for me for his glory.